Welcome to the AJHP podcast series. The American Journal of Health System Pharmacy is the official journal of the American Society of Health System Pharmacists, an association of pharmacists committed to helping patients make the best use of medications. For more information about AJHP, please visit www.ajhp.org. This is William Zelmer. I'm a contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. And I'm speaking today with Todd Sorensen, PharmD, who is an associate professor at the Department of Pharmaceutical Care and Health Systems at the College of Pharmacy, University of Minnesota in Minneapolis. Todd is one of five authors of an AJHP paper on implementing telepharmacy in rural hospitals. In their survey, in the study by these authors, they looked at current practices and state regulations dealing with telepharmacy as it relates to rural hospitals. Todd, let's begin our conversation perhaps by you defining for our listeners what the term telepharmacy means as you used it in your study. Sure. Thanks, Bill. The uh, term telepharmacy has some wide definitions, but reasonably consistent. And for the purposes of this study, it really included three elements. Uh, One, the electronic transmittal of orders for a pharmacist review to the uh, use of remotely controlled dispensing technology, and three, long-distance supervision of technicians. And it may not have been all three of those in place, but the use of those in some capacity kind of met our definition of telepharmacy. And that's reasonably consistent with what NABP has used to define telepharmacy. Todd, why is telepharmacy, from your perspective, an important issue for rural hospitals? Uh, It is certainly an emerging issue, has been over several years, and I think three things come to mind, staffing, safety, and ultimately risk management to some degree. Staffing has become an issue for rural hospitals for a variety of reasons, and that has led to safety issues, which then in some of my conversations with rural administrators, they are starting to see issues of risk management, and so they're looking for solutions to try to address some of the patient safety issues they've uncovered. I think also... Secondary to that is some of the regulations around this or expectations from organizations like JACO. Right now, some of the things don't apply, but in the future they could be. Conditions for participation with Medicare or the critical access hospital designation could increase expectations around the involvement of pharmacists. And then ultimately the professional standards that we set as a profession. I think ultimately it comes down to having been a, myself growing up in a rural community you know, a patient receiving care in a rural hospital should expect that they would have the same level of services, pharmacy services, with respect to safety and clinical involvement as they would expect if they were in a large urban hospital. And that's not always the case, and we shouldn't be expecting or seeing some sort of uh, disparity between the level of services that exist between rural hospitals and uh, urban hospitals, large urban hospitals. The service delivery models might be different, but the expectations for safety and effectiveness of that system should be the same, and I think rural administrators are realizing that. I see. You know, Todd, um, a major part of your paper deals with how states are currently regulating telepharmacy, particularly as it relates to rural hospitals. From your perspective, what are some of the best examples of existing state laws and regulations that accommodate telepharmacy in rural hospitals? Well, North Dakota has pretty much almost universally been seen as the uh, pace setter in this area. They've been working on it 
as long as anybody and, and have spent as much time as anybody thinking and developing this. More recently, some states, South Dakota, some of the western mountain states, and a few others have become more active in this, and they are often taking cues from some of the things that North Dakota has done. But in terms of best examples, I think those are the ones that are the leaders. Looking at this study, I think that not necessarily everyone or anyone has fully addressed this issue. I'm looking at it from a comprehensive standpoint of what are the services that are necessary by a pharmacist in a rural hospital. The uh, telepharmacy issues have pretty much focused on order review and product selection, but as you know, the scope of, of a pharmacist's role in a hospital goes much beyond that. Our study has identified that a lot of those things are not being addressed necessarily in the regulations or the expectations that are being set when telepharmacy is adopted. Is there nevertheless uh, some uh, degree of interest among the states in uh, covering this issue in uh, state pharmacy practice acts or pharmacy regulations? Yeah. You know, we saw several states that have developed uh, regulations around this, several states that are in the process, and several states also, they may not have regulations in place, but they have a process for reviewing ad hoc appeals or, or seeking waivers to the regulations to go ahead and, and adopt telepharmacy services. So that has been an issue that's actually forced many state boards of pharmacy to look at this. Some are still dealing with it on a case-by-case basis. Others are being a little more proactive with defining regulations that others can then follow. Well, I realize uh, from what you've said that this is all sort of in the state of evolution in terms of how states are approaching this from a regulatory standpoint, but I wonder, is the lack of explicit telepharmacy regulations for rural hospitals today a serious impediment, in your opinion, to the adoption of this method of securing pharmacist services in these institutions? I haven't seen it that way, and I don't think that our study that we did uh, bore that out. I actually see it the other way, is that the lack of explicit regulations has almost, to some degree, created a lowest common denominator mentality. The lack of regulations and ultimately clear expectations on the part of the professional role of the pharmacist as it relates to regulations has become an impediment, to use your word, to ensuring the development of comprehensive systems that address an optimal, safe, and effective medication use system. As I mentioned before, the telepharmacy systems are often looking primarily at order review and product selection and not some of the other things. And I almost see that the way things have gone, it's becoming the norm for telepharmacy to look only at those things, and we're not looking at the full scope of what pharmacy services should be addressing in a small rural hospital. In your survey of the extent to which uh, rural hospitals uh, are implementing telepharmacy, did you find uh, any notable exceptions of institutions going beyond remote order review and and other more basic uh, types of telepharmacy? No, nothing that I would consider frequent application beyond that. Now, I would say that maybe our study wasn't necessarily designed specifically to draw that out. You know, based on the definition that we use for telepharmacy and it being consistent with what some of the state boards and the NABP have used, it really did almost kind of focus on the review and and product selection process. So there may be more out there than what we uncovered, but uh, I do also think that if it was consistently being done, it would have come up in the interviews and some of the case studies that were done as a part of this project. You know, there were certainly best practices in terms of the application of telepharmacy as it was defined, but going beyond that, not being done consistently. 
Todd, you and your co-authors identified a few common telepharmacy practice models in rural hospitals. Could you describe briefly those models and perhaps comment a bit on the practical considerations that might be involved in pursuing each of those models? You know, one model that clearly came out was the idea of telepharmacy covering or being the service model for after hours, service delivery. There would be staff pharmacists present during normal operating hours during the day and telepharmacy often being used either as connecting with another hospital as a part of the same health system or even through contractual relationships with other organizations sharing resources among hospitals. But that was one one model that's been adopted fairly frequently and, and seems to work quite well addressing prospective order review during off hours. And then in other cases, and this is less well-defined, and not as consistent in terms of a model, is the situation where telepharmacy becomes more of the primary mechanism of service delivery, connecting with a pharmacist remotely, again, either in another hospital or through some other mechanism, and then potentially having a pharmacist almost as a consultant basis coming into the organization on a semi-frequent basis for other roles and oversight. And there was no real consistency within what we saw with boards of pharmacy around requiring that on-site presence once the telepharmacy system was approved and, and up and running. Some had fairly frequent requirements, others not so much. And so I think the implications are in the first model, it's more of a system that's filling a gap, not necessarily serving as a primary source of service delivery, whereas the other model, it is the primary source of service delivery and then we run into issues of, well, what potentially is missing then if that's the mechanism, if there isn't a pharmacist there for direct consultation with medical staff, if there isn't somebody providing ongoing education with nursing staff or other providers, participation in P&T committees or antibiotic surveillance and things like that are those areas that are traditionally contributions of a pharmacist under a larger hospital being offered if there isn't a pharmacist present very often. You certainly have a great deal of passion for this topic of appropriate pharmacy services in rural areas, including in rural hospitals. And I wonder, based on um, this passion and the work that you've done over the years on medication-related issues in rural hospitals, what is your vision for the potential that telepharmacy holds for improving uh, medication use safety and outcomes for patients in these facilities? There is clearly a role for telepharmacy in uh, service delivery in rural hospitals, but my vision is that it will be used as a tool to fill necessary gaps rather than serve as a primary source of service delivery. You know, and I've worked with rural organizations, it's clear that the scope of medication use issues and the opportunities for the expertise of a pharmacist to contribute to the mission of a rural hospital is just really too great to allow telepharmacy systems, at least the way they've primarily been used at this point, to be limited on order review and product selection. The the role of the pharmacist in these institutions can expand beyond even just the acute care role. There's the ambulatory care role, the usually long-term care facilities associated with these organizations. They often have home care services, hospice care services, and so the medication use system is quite broad and extensive. And so I see telepharmacy filling a positive role, but we need to define what those boundaries are and uh, ensure that we're using it where it makes sense to use it and ensure that we're providing all the services that a patient in a rural community really needs from pharmacists and pharmacy services. 
Well, there's certainly quite a gap today uh, between having this appropriate level of pharmacist services uh, for patients in rural areas and, and what actually occurs. From your perspective, Todd, what's it going to take to uh, close that gap more effectively? You mentioned that telepharmacy, as you see it, is a part of the answer, but it seems to me you're also talking primarily about perhaps more direct pharmacist staffing in these institutions. Is that correct? Yes, and that's probably deriving from where a lot of my work has been and working in a community-based way with these organizations through uh, residency training, through uh, acquiring resources that allow administrators to see the full scope of a pharmacist that uh, can be played. But So what, what needs to happen, uh, in my mind, is first of all, as a profession, I think we need to actualize similar standards for rural and, and large urban hospitals. You know, if you look at ASHP standards, for optimal pharmacy services, they don't say, this is what's optimal for a large hospital, this is what's optimal for a small hospital, they're the same. But we haven't really actualized that yet. We haven't made it that we as a profession say that this is a level of service that's not up to our standards, and I think we need to pay close attention to that to make sure we're not enabling a lower level of services that we think patients deserve. I think that we need to get outside of pharmacy and talk much more, engage rural administrators, state offices of rural health, potentially groups like uh, Medicare, CMS, Office of Rural Health Policy, groups that are overseeing the conditions for participation for critical access hospitals. I think we need to promote gold standards. I, I know a lot of rural hospitals that do excellent work around this, and they're very small hospitals, and they figured out a way to do this. We need to find ways to promote those models to those who are unfamiliar with how those organizations have done that. And as a byproduct of that, What's really worked is when you create peer-to-peer -peer conversations between administrators. An administrator who's leading an organization that has very strong pharmacy services talking to one that hasn't quite uh, gotten there yet. That works quite effectively. And then um, lastly, you know, to address probably the core issue that's led to some of this is, is the staffing issue, getting pharmacists to take positions in small rural organizations. Colleges of pharmacy, the profession needs to really show new graduates and students the professionally rewarding opportunities that exist in rural organizations. Uh, I've often said myself, if I wasn't working in academia, if that's not where I wanted to be, I think some of these opportunities in small rural hospitals could be as rewarding and as diverse as any professional pharmacy opportunity that exists, and I don't know that most of our new graduates realize that, and we could do a lot more in, in encouraging them to pursue these opportunities. Well, thank you, Todd. I appreciate your time today. This is William Zelmer, contributing editor of the American Journal of Health System Pharmacy. I've been speaking with Todd Sorensen, PharmD, who is an associate professor in the Department of Pharmaceutical Care and Health Systems at the University of Minnesota College of Pharmacy. That concludes this podcast. For more information, please visit www.ajhp.org.